Anything we try to do spiritually, our flesh will try to oppose. Can somebody say amen? You try to fast. You know, fasting sounds good in the altar on Sunday night. <laughs> Monday morning. You think, no, I think I'll postpone that. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, you go to work, you know, the first day of a fast. And you see the truck, Krispy Kreme Donuts outside. They're catering breakfast, you know. Sometimes your flesh will even try to oppose you going to church, especially on a night such as this, an off night, a Monday night. And your mind will begin to play games with you and make excuses and reasons why I'm not going to go tonight, maybe tomorrow night, maybe another night. But I love it when you overcome that temptation. And you may come in here a little bit resentful for a moment. But when we start to worship the Lord and His presence begins to move... There's something inside of me that says, I'm so glad I came to church tonight. There's nowhere else I'd rather be than in the presence of the Lord. For in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Amen. Would you just do something with me before you're seated? And would you just lift up your hands as a sign of surrender? I surrender myself to you, Lord. My heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, my agenda, my desires, my bitterness, my anger, my loneliness, my confusion and uncertainties, God. I surrender myself to you. Would you pray that for a moment? I surrender myself to you, Lord. And as your hands are lifted now, I want you to begin to pray as an expression that you're ready to receive his word with your hands open. This is an open vessel. This is an open mind, an open heart. I, my cup is open. Whatever you pour in, I'll receive. Whatever you speak, I'll receive and I'll respond. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Give us strength tonight, Almighty God. And everybody say in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Amen. You know when you when you exercise or when you stop exercising, it's always hard to get back into it. Because you know that the first week it's going to be grueling. The soreness and the pain. Uh, as I mentioned yesterday, I haven't preached in over two months. And uh, my voice is struggling. And when I woke up this morning, I felt like I had run a marathon. And, I, and then as I crossed the marathon, I got run over by a Mack truck. And I realized a couple things. One, I realized how out of shape I am, and two, man, it's been a while since I preached, and, and uh, so today is that, that day, you know, that day of soreness, but it's a good soreness, it's a good pain, I think Sister, Sister Amy Myers, last night, we were eating, and she said, 
you know you've had good church when you've just got a big old headache. <laughs> Amen. A world-renowned opera singer by the... Oh, I don't have his name here. He's an anonymous character in the story. But he was a world-renowned opera singer who had mysteriously lost his ability to hit certain notes even though these notes were well within his range. After years of singing and traveling the world and singing in many different venues, this opera singer lost the ability to hit certain notes that was well within his range. And so he went to different ENT specialists, ear, nose, and throat specialists who all thought, It must be a throat problem, as I feel like I've got right now. I've been sucking on cough drops and spraying stuff. And my wife even made me um, uh, sort of sniff those, um, like, witch doctor potions. (laughs) I think some people call them essential oils or something. And uh, I was sniffing those. And thankfully, I'm able to get some sort of volume out. But these ENT specialists, they thought there must be something wrong with his throat until he, this opera singer, went and saw another doctor by the name of Dr. Tomatis. And he theorized that something else was wrong other than his throat. So he used a device called a sonometer, and he found that The average opera singer produces 140 decibel sound waves when they sing. 140 decibel sound waves is louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. And the sound is even louder inside the singer's skull when he or she is singing. And so that discovery led Dr. Tomatis to a different diagnosis. He diagnosed that the opera singer had been deafened by the sound of his own voice. Now, what does being deafened have to do with his ability or inability to hit certain notes while singing? Dr. Tomatis said that his selective muteness was caused by selective deafness. If you can't hear a note, you can't sing that note. Because the voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. Hmm. He had become deafened by the sound of his own voice. And because he could not hear certain frequencies anymore, he was unable to produce certain notes and sounds. And tonight may, not may, but is going to be maybe a little bit different. We're going to have prayer tonight. And um, 
What I feel is very pertinent and important for us is that if we're going to do anything for the kingdom of God, and if we're going to live up to his potential, not our potential, but fulfill the call, the plan and purpose of God, we first must be able to hear the voice of God. And interestingly, this sermon or speech or monologue, whatever you want to call it, is not even necessarily just about the voice of God, but I do believe it's the foundation that we must hear the voice of God. But I do believe that our ability to hear the voice of God is contingent upon our walk with God. I've had people throughout the years ask several times, how do you hear the voice of God? How, how do you hear his voice? And, and that's a very good question. I think maybe all of us at some point have asked that, maybe even in our own minds, if not asked it to someone else. We, we thought, how can I hear the voice of God? And I think that the answer is very simple. I didn't say easy, I said simple. And that answer is a consistent walk with God. I said simple and not easy because I am convinced that the hardest thing you will ever do in your life is to have a consistent walk with God. It's not because God made it hard. It's because everything in this world will do everything in its ability to hinder you from walking with God daily. Daily. Jesus spoke of this daily walk when he was speaking to his disciples and he said, if anyone wants to come after me. Isn't that amazing? He was so inclusive and not exclusive. He said, if anyone wants to come after me. You can. And if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Everybody in this room has the the ability to understand the simplicity of that equation to have him deny take up that cross of sacrifice and go after him. It's simple, but somebody say it ain't easy. (laughs) We like to run. Don't say amen. We hate to run. I I can't, it's frustrating right now. I mentioned last night, I've got torn ligaments in my knee. I got, I got, uh, it was from a skiing accident two years ago and it's worth it because I got it on video. So it's worth it if you get it on video. And I got some really dumb things on video. I preached Ohio Youth Camp a few years back, and I'm like infamous at youth camps because I'm the guy that's known as the one who failed doing a backflip off the platform and landed on my head. But they got it on video, so it's okay. It's worth it now. And uh, But it's it's a bit frustrating. I've, I've, I've been raised... Um, being in sports my whole life. 
I started playing sports when I was, I mean, crawling just about, you know, but I, my, my parents had me in sports by the time I was four years old. And as many of you know, may, maybe know, I went to college to play baseball. I played baseball. I was the starting shortstop for four years in college and had opportunities, professional opportunities. And, uh, and so I've always had an, you know, just a, a drive to be athletic and a desire to work out. And now, you know, all of a sudden I can't do that. And well, I can't, there's certain things I can't do. Um, and one of those things, I can't go jogging right now. I can't go running right now. And my wife and I and Levi, we were driving down the road today and I saw someone jogging and I said, man, that looks fun right there. And I've never said, I don't like running. I, I, I don't like going jogging and baseball. You run 90 feet from home to first. That's it. 90 feet. They tried to put me in soccer one time and I think I, I passed out, you know, in the first quarter or period or whatever soccer. I don't know what they call it. It's too much running for me. And uh, it, was, it was interesting. I said, man, that looks so fun. The reason why I thought that running looked fun to me is because I can't do it right now, you know. If I could do it, I'd say, man, I ain't doing that. But when I say we like to run, I'm not speaking physically. I'm, I'm talking spiritually. And what I mean by that is uh, we get bored by the concept of just walking. Because... In Western society, we've created this philosophy that you're not doing enough if you're just walking. And we've applied that concept spiritually that you're not doing enough if you're just walking. You need to run. You need to do something great and supernatural and you need to have some big, grand testimony. You need to be raising the dead and casting out devils every day or you ain't a real Christian. And, but really, it's... It's a great testimony when you can look at somebody's life and say, man, they've been walking every day for 75 years. My heroes today are the ones that I can look at and say, man, they're still walking. Still walking. Paul addresses this concept in Galatians chapter 5. In verse 1, he, 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 he doesn't even get to walking yet. He just says, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage everybody say again everybody knows that word very well especially at the time like this at the beginning of a year when just a week ago, you were thinking, man, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to get mixed up with that again. Man, once this clock turns midnight and it's 2021, I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm going to get rid of that sin once and for all. And here we are a week later and you're thinking again. We've all had the moment where we've been in the altar, been in a prayer room, been somewhere supernatural, and we felt the righteousness and holiness and cleanliness of God's spirit. And we, we started thinking, man, I don't want to look at that anymore. I don't want to talk that way anymore. I don't want to live that way anymore. I'm never going to do it again until the next day. And again, he says, don't be entangled again. With the yoke of bondage, it's something you've been entangled with before. I'm urging you, don't be entangled again. And I kind of feel that urgency in the spirit tonight. The Lord speaking to somebody here in 2021 saying, let the past be the past and let it stay there. 
Don't be entangled with that thing again. Don't get involved with that thing again. Let it stay in the past. Let it stay behind you. I've already forgiven you. My blood is is more than enough for you. My blood has covered that sin. Don't be entangled again. Let it stay there and you go forward. Verse 7. You ran well. See, he's talking about running and he compliments their running and he's speaking spiritually. He's not talking about a marathon that they ran somewhere. He said, you ran well. And see, that's where we like to pat each other on the back. Man, those supernatural, tangible expressions of faith. Man, I want to run in the spirit because walking doesn't produce enough results instantly for me to see the progress. It's tough because the, the most contagious motivation are results. And when you run, you can see results fast. You can see how far you've gone in a short amount of time. But when you walk, you don't see those results very quickly and so he says you ran well you ran good job running but watch this next sentence who hindered you from obeying the truth (laughs) you ran well but somebody still hindered you from obeying the truth now see when I preach most of the time I mean almost every time what I'm preaching from is I'm preaching from my own place, my own heart, my own struggles, my own temptations, and those things that hinder me. And I'm, I wouldn't call myself, if you were to label me, I, I wouldn't call myself a consistent man. I'm consistent in the things I'm passionate about. You could see it in my report card. <laughs> I either had A's or C minus. <laughs> Because it was like, man, he's passionate about lunch, A+. plus. <laughs> he's passionate about dodgeball, A+. plus. <laughs> Science, he almost failed. <laughs> and I'm consistent in the things I'm very passionate about. If you give me a book, and I, I told my wife, I give it a chapter or two, you know. And if, I'm pa- if I like it and I'm passionate about it, I'll read that thing in a day or two. You give me a textbook or give me something that's boring or give me something I don't want to read, I'll throw it out. I'm consistent where I'm passionate. And that's not always good because that means that I'm consistent based upon my feelings and we can't live for God based upon feelings. God is not a feeling. So he says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Verse 16, I say then, walk. Walk in the Spirit. Everybody say those words with me. Walk in the Spirit. You ran, but rebelled. You ran, but retreated back. So I say then, Walk in the Spirit. 
it was a year ago when I, uh, my first tweet or whatever I put on social media last year. And I, I remember posting and I, because it was a burden on, on my heart. And I said, in, in the year 2020, I will pray more for consistency than I will for power. Because oftentimes I pray for power. Give me more power. Give me more faith. Give me more this and give me more that. But I've said, I want to pray for consistency. Because I've seen a lot of people backslide who were very powerful. But I've never seen someone backslide while they were carrying a cross every day. (laughs) It's pretty hard to backslide while you're carrying a cross every day for Jesus Christ. I've never seen someone leave a daily prayer closet and backslide the next. And so he says, you ran well, but you went back to who you used to be. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. He says, I say to you, I'm urging you. I know you know how to run and I know you know how to cast out devils and I know that you can speak in tongues and I know you can raise the dead and I know you can preach the house down but I'm telling you, walk in spirit. Walk in the spirit. Maybe this isn't what you were thinking tonight, but I want everybody tonight with an urgency in my spirit to have this desire to say, God, I want to walk in the spirit. It may not give me affirmation every single day. It may not get me a pat on the back every single day. People may not notice my progress every single day, but I want to walk in the Spirit. In the Old Testament, find a story where the Israelites were going into battle in 1 Samuel chapter 4. The Bible says that Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says that at that time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. I don't have to convince you we are at war tonight. I'm going to say that again. We are at war tonight. We're not on a cruise ship to the Caribbean. We are on a battleship for the Lord tonight. We are in a war tonight. And the Israelite army was camped near Ebenezer and the Philistines were at Aphek and the Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel. Let me say that again. The Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. After the battle was over, the troops retreated to their camp and the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? And they said, 
Let's bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. Time out. The ark of the covenant in the Old Testament was a representation of the spirit of God. What were they doing fighting without the spirit of God to begin with? And after they lost, reaction, they, their reaction was, anybody got the spirit? We lost. Got to go tell some wives, your husband's not coming home tonight because we forgot to bring the spirit with us. I feel the Holy Ghost. We got to go tell some daughters and some sons, your daddy's not coming home tonight because we forgot to pray and we forgot to be led of the Spirit. We tried to fight this battle without the Spirit of God. So they got this idea, this reactionary idea. Well, then let's go get the Spirit of God because it'll save us. So they sent men to Shiloh to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Heaven's armies who is enthroned between the cherubim. Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were also there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when all the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord coming into the camp, their shout of joy was so loud it made the ground shake. We had... A shout last night. Whoa. We had a good time. And I preface maybe just a little disclaimer that I don't want you to think that I'm at all trying to convince you that we're not walking in the Spirit. I am giving you a word of faith that we need to continue walking in the Spirit. Because this is a story of what happens if we don't. Walk in the spirit. Their shout was so loud it made the ground shake. And the enemy said, what's going on? What's all the shouting about in the Hebrew camp? When they were told it was because the ark of the Lord had arrived, they panicked. <laughs> when they heard, uh-oh, the Holy Ghost showed up. Uh-oh, they got the Holy Ghost now. And what the Ark of the Covenant was in this moment in time is it was really a symbol of his spirit. It didn't necessarily mean that it was the substance of his spirit. They put their faith in the symbol, the Ark. Because their faith was in the symbol, they walked without the substance. Let me bring it home for you. When we put our faith in the symbol, when we put our faith in the brick and mortar, and we put our faith in the, pro we need the brick and mortar. We need the program. We need it. the things we've got, our agendas and our ideas. But when we put all of our faith in the symbol and forget the substance, we're in trouble. We've learned 
In the past several months, what happens when the symbol is taken away from us? What happens when the building is taken away? When, when our altar here is taken away, do we still have an altar at home? What happens when we don't have a praise team in our living room every day? Or what happens when we don't have that symbol like we're used to having? I remember the first or the second time, I was, it was the second time I was in Malawi. And it was the first night. And we were supposed to just be having training for altar working training and when we turned the corner onto the crusade grounds there was i think five or six hundred people sitting waiting for us and brother robinette said boys i don't think we're just having training tonight and i was scheduled to get up there and train on altar working and he said chris you don't need to do altar work and training just just give an altar call and i said all right and after the music went on i grabbed the microphone and i said praise the lord everybody and boom the whole electricity went out and we were on a crusade field under the stars no walls uh, no building no pews or sitting on dirt ground uh, and the electricity the generators went out uh, which meant no microphone and no lights in pitch dark africa They could not hear me, and they definitely could not see me. So all of our ministers lined up in front of the altar and got their phones and flashed their lights, you know, their flashlights on me. And I just started screaming like this with no microphone. If you want to work in the altars, uh, you need to be baptized by the power of the Holy Ghost. uh, And you need to come right now and receive the Holy Ghost. And in that very first night, uh, over 250 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The point of the story is this. We didn't have the the symbol. We didn't have the electricity, the program, the pews, the singing, the, the microphones. We didn't have any of that. But the substance was there. Okay, I gotta I gotta come to a close here. We're we're about to pray. All right. They panicked. And the Philistines said, The gods have come into their camp, they cried. This is a disaster. We have never had to face anything like this before. Isn't it amazing the revelation your enemy has of your God? They say, We've never faced anything like this before. Verse 8. That just puts a little faith in me when I see our enemy crying, help. (laughs) Who can save us from these mighty gods of Israel? They are the same gods who destroyed the Egyptians with plagues when Israel was in the wilderness. Watch this. this. This is amazing to me. The Philistines said, fight as never before, Philistines. Even though they knew they were going to lose. They said, fight as never before. Man, I wish we'd have the spirit of that. He said, if you don't, we will become the Hebrews' slaves just as they have been ours. Stand up like men and fight. So the Philistines fought desperately. And Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelite soldiers died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents. They left the symbol behind as they retreated back home. Verse 11, 
because the ark of God was captured. Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were killed. They forgot to go into the battle with his spirit. And when they stopped walking with his spirit, it just became a symbol. No power, no hope, no direction, no future. They carried the symbol in and then 30,000 more people. Now they've lost 34,000 people. And then they run back for their lives, leaving the symbol behind. That's why people backslide. That's why they leave the church. Because they've stopped walking with the substance. And they put their faith in the symbol and the symbol can't do anything. They stop walking with God. And then they come back to church. And now church has just become a symbol to them. And the church can't do anything for them without the substance that they've left a long time ago. And they put their faith in the symbol. And when the symbol can't save them, they leave church altogether behind. You see what Israel tried to do that day is they tried to shout with a voice of triumph without walking with a heart of submission. You cannot shout unto God with a voice of triumph until you walk with a heart of submission. Would you stand to your feet right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. We're going to pray. We're not going to pray for power. We're not going to pray for position. We're not going to pray to persuade God to perform in our lives. Tonight, we're going to look inward and say, God, I commit right now a daily walk in the Spirit. Would you close your eyes right now? Hallelujah, Lord. As I prayed in the altars last night and I was so blessed by the praise, there was just a little voice in my spirit saying, There's people that are trying to shout in praise, but yet they cannot hear my voice. They cannot hear my voice because they do not walk daily in the spirit. That's not an indictment on the body, the church, but I feel that's a word of hope and encouragement for somebody here, for a family for a man, for a woman, for a young person. Ah, I feel the burden for the young people right now. Young people, hear me right now. You may come to church every week. You may attend this church every week. You may sit in these pews every week. You may even pray in these altars every week. But I feel the Lord reaching for a young person right now, saying, you need to have a daily walk in my spirit. A daily walk in my spirit. I feel a burden for the young people because I feel that we're in the last days. And in these last days, These young people are going to do exploits that we elders can't even imagine. But young people, before you do exploits, you need to have a walk of consistency in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) 
If you're under the age of 30 years old, I want you to march right up to this altar as quickly as you can. If you're under the age of 30, 30 or, or younger, I want you to march to this altar right here. Hallelujah. I had no intention of doing this, but I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost on my spirit right now. If you're under the age of 30, I I want you to line up in a single file, shoulder to shoulder, stretching all across this altar right here. Just shoulder to shoulder right here. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now... While they're still coming and lining up shoulder to shoulder right here, I want the rest of you. If you're related to any of these up here, if you're related to them, I want you to stand right behind them and come right now. If you don't have any relation to them, just come and pick somebody. Stand behind somebody. I want you to come right now and stand with them. Stand behind them right now. I want you to come. Come on, elders. That means 31 and older. You never been called an elder. You may be called that for the first time tonight. But you're older than these. So I want you to come. There's a spirit of insecurity in this place. I want everybody to stop praying and listen. I feel a spirit of insecurity in this place right now. But the scripture says... There is therefore now no condemnation. That word condemnation is synonymous with guilt, shame, regret, insecurity. And the scripture says there is none of that to those who are in Christ Jesus. You may have been out of Christ Jesus the last year, the last 10 years, it doesn't matter. But good news, it doesn't say there's no condemnation to those that have been in Christ Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights on a 40-day fast. No, it says if you're in Christ Jesus, that means if you're in him or with him for even a moment. This could be the very first moment you've been in Christ Jesus, stepping forward by faith in the presence of the Lord. But right now, everybody say right now, there is no condemnation. There is no insecurity, no fear, no guilt, no regret, no shame. I feel a strong resistance of insecurity that says, but I haven't been praying. I I pray here, I pray there, I'm hit and I miss and I'm up and I'm down and I'm, it's okay. It's behind you now. We're standing here at the altar together and we're making a declaration together one to another and with these young people, whether they're your sons or daughters or relatives or family or friends or you don't know them at all, we're making a covenant together that says, today I commit to a daily walk with the Lord. I'm going to walk in the spirit daily. I may not pray four and five and eight hours every day, but I will walk in the spirit every day. I will walk with the Lord every day. I will take up that cross daily and follow him. Before you lift your hands, I want you to close your eyes. In your mind, in your soul, I want you to make that covenant with the Lord. And you don't need to turn around to anybody, but in the spirit of this church, I want you to make that covenant with the body right here. 
Because if the left hand walks every day, but the right hand is inconsistent, then we're all inconsistent because we're all the same body. And so right here from young to old, I want everybody to begin to make that covenant in your spirit between you and the Lord and between you and the body. And when I say in the name of Jesus, those of you that have made that covenant in sincerity, when I say in the name of Jesus, you're going to lift up holy hands in this sanctuary, establishing a covenant of consistency. I didn't say you have to be a dynamic prophet or apostle or pastor or shepherd. No, walk in the spirit. Every eye closed. We're going to take just a few moments for you to make that covenant with the Lord and make that covenant with this body of East Wind Pentecostal Church. I want you to go ahead and do that right now in your spirit. And when you hear me say in Jesus' name, that's when you're going to lift up your hands. And I feel an anointing is going to saturate this place like the fire from heaven. Oh, somebody go ahead in your spirit and make that covenant right now. Come on, that's it. That's it. Your heart is opening to a fresh commitment, a fresh promise, a fresh covenant that says, I will walk daily. I I may not run every day. I I may not run every day. I may not progress like my my neighbors every day, but I'm going to walk every day. I'm not going to compare myself to those beside me. I'm going to compare myself to Calvary. I'm going to compare my walk to Jesus Christ. I'm going to compare my walk to the cross I make a covenant with this body I make a covenant with this church I make a covenant with my pastor I will walk every day in the spirit by the authority of the word of God and by the power that's in your holy name anoint us Anoint us, anoint us to walk daily in the spirit in the name of Jesus. I prophesy you will hear his voice in 2021 like you've never heard it before. You will hear what thus saith the Lord as you walk daily in the spirit. As you walk daily in the spirit. As you walk daily in the spirit. That's it. This altar call is yours. This altar call is yours. Go as deep as you want to go. Go as deep as you want to go in your spirit tonight. Go as deep as you want to go.